The tea with Novi and Jordy. I'm so listening to this. I only do bougie. I honestly don't really like anyone. Because fuck everyone else. I'm a bad bitch. I'm just letting my lashes grow. If it's not pink and glittery, we, we don't, don't want it. it. This was not on my itinerary. Don't be such a fucking brat. Oh my god. <laughs> hey brats. Welcome back. Episode 5. We have a guest with us this week. Yo, yo. Everybody welcome Jesse Douglas, also known as my dad. Good old Jesse. Jesse. <laughs> Let's start this out with a bottoms up. Cheers. Oh, every time. So normally we would have a hot topic for you, but we don't. Yeah. Nothing popped off this week. Not really. Well, let's get into it and just kind of what we're going to talk about this week. These next two weeks are kind of interviews on each other. So you guys can get to know each of us on a more personal level, I guess you could say. Yeah. So this will, week we'll talk about Jordan and her dad. That's me. And that's that's you. <laughs> um, and why Jordan is the way that she is. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah. world. <laughs> this is going to be fun. This is going to be real fun, especially with my best friend and my dad who, you know. Yeah. So this should be fun. Jumping right into it. Jordan, how was moving different schools growing up with your dad on the road and never meeting him? Well, I didn't meet my dad. Like, I met him on and off throughout my life until I was 12. But, you know, my dad lived a very on-the-go life all the time. Still does. Very much still does. And, I mean, maybe this podcast will give you a little bit of an insight on why he is always on the go and just, you know, constantly on the move. I didn't really understand that growing up until I was an adult, but once I became an adult and actually got to know him and why he is the way he is, which is he's not a bad guy. Um, he's just, well, he's, <laughs> he's particular and you have to particularly know him to understand him. So it was hard until I actually understood who my dad was, if I'm going to be honest with you, because... My mom, you know, and we'll probably get into this, I'm sure, with your questions. Um, My mom was not a good mom at all. She didn't put me in good situations. So, you know, I earned for not only a dad, but a mom, you know, until I was 12 years old. And I finally moved in with my dad when he came off of the road. So was it always hard being the new kid in school? No, fuck no. No, I made a lot of friends. You liked being the new kid? So, like, uh, like I told you, up until, like, middle school, I was not popular. I was not cool. Um, I was not, I didn't have, like, a clique of friends. You know, I had one friend, and her name was Kaya. Kaya Stevenson. If you listen, shout out to you, girl, because you were one true friend from when I was a kid. But other than that, uh, no, I didn't. I, you know, I didn't really care. I met a lot of people. And it was in this valley. It's not like I moved, like states and like super far away from these people i still live close to these people and like are friends with people from all over the valley now so very diverse for jesse was there a certain reason you didn't meet jordan for so long and is there any guilt you have over it guilt because i don't live with regret but i will say this i felt it was necessary to go and better myself so that i had something to offer my daughter um the lifestyle that i lived when jordan was young was not going to be beneficial to her. Um, I see a lot of situations where people value 
presence over quality. And I got news for you. There are parents who are present, and I wouldn't give two fucks for any of them. Right. right. So the reality is, is I need to, I needed to make myself a better person so that I had something to offer Jordan, not only as a father, as a mentor, and just as somebody who she could look up to in their life. I'm a firm believer that women need to have a positive role, male role model, because they need to know what it is that they need to look for in a man later in life. 100%. That's something that a woman cannot teach another woman. And I know that that sounds a little sexist. It's just a reality. Men need to live by example. And so that their daughters or nieces or whoever it is that they influence in their life, they can know what the fuck they're looking for. They can know what their standard is, right? So I try to just make myself a better person to create a standard. Now, do I hold guilt? I wouldn't be human if I didn't. But the reality is when it was time to step up and take care of Jordan, I did. And I would like to think that that's why we are so close and have such a bond now. For sure. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the fact that, like, when I did move in with my dad, he was dating a girl, but... For the most part, it was just me and my dad for a very long time. Like, I mean, only me and my dad. And these bitches out here. We, (laughs) we, I mean, don't get it twisted. My dad was a bachelor with a teenage daughter. I mean, he was like, you do you, I'll do me, but I'm still your parent. But we bonded over a lot of things. Basketball, you know, showed me my love for basketball. He helped showed me that that was something that I was good at and I wanted to do, even though I fucked it off for myself <laughs> in high school due to boys and just things I had going on. So regret, you know, a lot of things I did in high school. But here we are, you here know. Here we are. Um, how was life growing up with your mom? I mean, to think back on it, very chaotic and very on the move but not on the move in the way you want to be on the move in the way I lived in 15 different apartment complexes per year type of thing we lived in every single apartment complex in Grants Pass it got very 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 chaotic I love my mom and I love the things that she did teach me which was what I didn't want in life and how I didn't want to be a mom that's you know kind of all I can say past it she was an addict my whole life I never knew my mom sober I maybe knew her sober for three months when she went into rehab and then when she finally got out of rehab it was go time again you know I never really knew my mom that's rough I feel like it's the same way because it's just different because it's with my father so right crazy um what was the story of when you found out that your mom passed away when I found out that my mom died I was at my grandma B's house and I was in the guest room there which kind of took as my room as well and so I had a room at my grandma's I was sleeping in there and I heard my grandma scream at the top of her lungs and I don't know. We've all had very close people pass away. You know when somebody passes away, you ha- you know before you know. You just know. It's like the worst scream that you hear. Ever. Ever. You know, at first I thought she was laughing. And I... <laughs> she was laughing. I did. And I came out of the room and I opened the door. 
they didn't my grandma B and my aunt Danielle didn't know I was there I opened the door and I stepped in the hallway and they both like their faces dropped and I could tell something was wrong I couldn't tell to the extent of like what was wrong uh and so I got in the car with my grandma and my aunt and we were on our way to my mom's apartment complex and the only thing I heard my grandma whisper to my aunt was you need to call Jesse and ooh, bring it on the waterworks and we pulled into you're gonna make me cry stop <laughs> we pulled into my mom's apartment complex and I had thought my my aunt Margie I had thought something was wrong with her <clears throat> And then I saw her walk into the parking lot and we parked and both my aunt and my grandma told me to stay in the car. And when I saw my mom, my, my aunt Margie walk up to the car, I knew, uh, there was an ambulance. There were two detective cars. There was a cop car and my aunt came to the car door, opened my car door, swooped me up and just grabbed me in her arms and then took me out and I asked her what was wrong and she looked at me and told me my mom was gone and I then pushed her off of me went to book it through all of the the detectives and try and run up the stairs to my mom's apartment and the second I did that a cop swooped me up at the end of the stairs and told me that that was the very last thing that I wanted to see at that moment uh, and then my dad showed up and I have never ran into my dad's arms <clears throat> faster than I did that day. And it was a lot. My mom ended up passing away from a drug overdose and it was rough, but a long time coming. I know a lot of people who have addicts as parents tend to wonder when they're going to get that call and when that call is going to come in that they're gone. And at that point, you know, it was horrible. It was horrid. But now there are days where I have comfort in knowing that she's not in pain anymore and that I'm not going to get that call because I already did. And it was when I was so young that it almost has become just a part of my story in my life. And especially the mother that I am, it's made me into because I strive to be everything that my mom wasn't for me. Right. That's insane. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, November. I'm going to fucking gulp the rest of this shit down. Way to bring on the fucking sad shit. The drink <laughs> literally my bad guys we're gonna get a couple of those okay so this is kind of sad too but who's your first kiss gage graves and for those of you who don't know gage graves also passed away um due to he, suicide he did uh yeah he committed suicide and he was actually, he dated two of my really good friends. Um, one, Stephanie Rowe. Shout out to Steph. We love her. And then my other really good friend, um, Haley, Haley Wagner. So that was a really rough 
loss for the entire valley, I'm sure. And, you know, shout out to Gage for sure. Uh, yeah, I was with my friend Ariel, um, my cousin. Oh, he's kind of like my cousin. His name is Jake. He was dating my friend Ariel and me and Gage. And we were at a park in Central Point. And this same day, Jake was trying to impress Ariel and do a backflip off of the swings. And he ended up backflipping off of the swings onto concrete and he broke his two front teeth. Shut up. I swear to God. So sidebar, I was there when he came home and had to tell his mom and dad. And they had to take him to the dentist to get the replacement. Yeah. That's crazy. I never knew that about Jake. Yep. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. He would have never even known. Right. Was it? We had jokes for motherfucking days. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was my first kiss and kind of, you know, the situation of it. So. How old were you? Uh, I was in f- fifth grade. What? <laughs> Shut up, Dad. November didn't have her first kiss until eighth grade. I was a fucking angel, bro. Fuck you. How I'm the tables have turned. No, literally. I don't know. I'm a fucking turtle in its shell until you get me out of the shell and then game I over. Mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Who was your biggest bully? My biggest bully of them all? Yeah. I want to say Ray, but yeah, yeah, I think it I think it was Ray. I mean, girl version. I didn't have any like really I mean, I had girls who didn't like me and who I didn't like still. But I didn't I didn't have any girl bullies. Boys were mean to me. The fact that Ray Crawford bullied us both and he's like 4'11. Like <gasps> he he looks like a dweeb. <laughs> Try to bully me now, whoop your ass. Yeah. Actually, fun fact about Ray Crawford. There was an article that was put out about him. He lives up in Portland now, I think. He got robbed while he was on the street because, you know, he's in the game. And he got robbed and put in the hospital. And Karma's he got a his, fucking bitch. Right? He got his fucking ass beat. Karma so, sucks. Look into that. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't bully people all through fucking school. Right. Karma's a bitch. All right. Most embarrassing story you thought you'd take to the grave. Do I need to put earmuffs on here? What are we doing? No, Dad. Most embarrassing <laughs> story. Well, I wouldn't say I'm going to tell mine because I'll let my dad take that one. But I could tell one of my best friend, Shasta. You're a dick. So my dad and my husband, they travel for work. They're videographers around the country. Uh, <clears throat> Filmmakers. <clears throat> filmmakers and this guy, this guy. <laughs> and they were coming back from a trip and Christian and I were just chilling at home you know he had just gotten home I mean like maybe an hour and you know he's like how have things been you know things have been good while I've been gone and you know he's like how have things been you know have things been copacetic and I'm like yeah things have been great dude like things have been rocking And then I get a call, maybe five minutes later, from Shasta. She's like, bro, you got to come save me. I'm like, what do you mean, come save you? She's like, I just high-centered my car in the Burger King drive-thru. Shut the fuck up. 
mind you, I'm I'm blonde. Like I'm actually a blonde. So I don't know what high centered means. Shut the fuck up. Jordan. I swear to God. And so I look at Christian and I'm like, what does she mean? Like, what does she mean? She just high centered her fucking car. And he's like, she means she drove her car like up over a curb in the middle of her car, you know, where it scrapes. And I was like, no. And I was like, how did you high center your fucking car? She was like, my mom and I were getting in a fight and she went to take off with my keys, which if you take off with my keys in the car, my car's not going to work and I'm just going to shut off in the Burger King drive through And so I just sped off. I tried to drive over the curb because there was somebody in front of me and I couldn't go over the curb and now I'm stuck. I was like, did you call somebody? And she was like, I think they're going to call the cops. <laughs> they did. The cops came and got her car off. Oh, they the- called somebody. Yeah. They had to call the cops. They had to call the tow truck. They had to stop the whole Burger King drive through for Shasta. And then she drove her car to my house and laughed about it and moved on with her day. That's so. literally Shasta, though. Like, if anybody knows Shasta or knew Shasta, that was, that <sighs> explained Shasta to a T. Yes, it oh. really does. Um, Shasta was very, you know, send it, impulsive. Impulsive as fuck. You know, her intrusive thoughts took over every time. So, yep. Yeah. All right, Dad. What do you have? What about Jordan? All right. So, (laughs) when Jordan was young, I was, we don't even need to say who I was dating. I was dating somebody, right? Um, And this person had told Jordan when we bought her school clothes that she was not to wear a specific pair of pants. They were my... So, this person had told her, hey, listen, I mean, I agree. Not only that, when they're $200 jeans, bitch, I'm a worm. Regardless, she was told not to wear them. And so, Jordan being Jordan, especially at that age, thought she was slick. So, she has, at the time, what was kind of her de facto stepbrother with her. On their way to school, I didn't like this guy. She had worn. He never had my back from the fucking get go. <laughs> she had worn an extra pair of pants over these pants. Got down the street from our house, tried to hide behind. A Mind car. you, they thought it was weird in the morning. Anyways, they were like, "Bitch, you're gonna wear sweatpants to school." So she has Marcus, and Marcus was not, let's just say, the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> so Marcus is just like, "Oh yeah, of course I'll watch out for you," and he's like watching butterflies and doing this and doing no that. so listen my dad and so-called girl leave and well actually my dad leaves for work because my dad had to leave for work at like 6 a.m every morning so he was gone before i even got up but so-called girl didn't leave until about the time that marcus and i were leaving so we walked to school because our school was like a minute walk away from our house What school cpe Mm-hmm. Actually, I loved that school. I had the best teacher I've ever had in my life. I loved him. I, I literally loved him. Shout out to you, Mr. Lewis. Me and Raven. Raven Lee. I Yes. Mr. Lewis was dope, though. He was. Yeah. Um, come on, you have a favorite teacher. You know you have a favorite teacher who, like, was like, you were the one. Not really. I didn't fuck with school. All like, right. At all, actually. I had a couple favorite teachers. Moving on. We went to walk to school, and I was like, dog, listen. I got a pair of pants on under my sweatpants. It's not a big deal. 
what you're going to do is you're going to keep lookout for me. I'm going to hide behind the car because you know your mom's about to leave for work and I don't really want to get caught. He was like, dope. Okay, cool. Whatever. We're going to do it. watching butterflies, huh? And he well, was, mind you, this squirrel. Is, this is like asking somebody who works at the gas station to figure out nuclear code complex. I mean, <laughs> Marcus was just not that guy. He right? wasn't with it. You commissioned okay? the wrong motherfuckers, all I'm saying, to watch your back. This, this motherfucker used to... <laughs> He used to, when he used to make toast, he used to put butter on the toast before he put it in the toaster. <laughs> so Stop. that the Just... butter would melt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Bro, that'll start a fire. Like, what are you talking about? You're literally putting liquid in a toaster. <laughs> yeah, but what's that say about you? That's the dude who you asked to watch your back. True. I mean, what did I teach you? Anyways, so, yeah. No, I asked him to keep lookout, and I hide behind a car that's, like, on the road on the walk to school. Well, so-called girl goes to drive out of our little suburb that we lived in, and we picked a car that was kind of near the suburb. Dumb idea of mine, you know. And so I start doing my thing, you know. I start pulling my pants down. That are over my pants down. And so-called girl starts pulling out of our suburb. And here comes Marcus over the back of the car. Hey! Down here, pulling down her pants. Come look at her. Right? So me not knowing, you know, I'm not even paying attention to Marcus. I'm doing my thing. I'm, like, getting these off, shoving them in my backpack. I'm, like, cool. Everybody's going to still think I'm cool. And, Yeah. And so. then proceeded to call me at work. I'm in a meeting with one of the biggest clients I've ever had in the history of the brokerage that I worked at. And she is fit to be tied. She is not taking no for an answer. I have to come out of my meeting, get on the phone, take this phone call to find out that the five alarm fire is that Jordan is behind some busted ass Buick, taking her pants down, wearing the jeans she's not supposed to wear and being a uh, just a shitty kid. Right? I was a shitty kid. So, with that being said, to me, lesson learned, roll with some smarter motherfuckers if you're going to get into some shit. Makes us question you as a dad. You guys are too close right now. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on. Uh, What's the hardest thing you've overcome? My son. Yeah. My son passing away. Um, My kids are my whole life. They... They make me who I am, and <clears throat> I still think about him daily and where he would be in life, where I would be in life with him, and yeah, so that was a really hard one to overcome. I don't talk about it probably to anybody. <laughs> Literally ever. Um, It's hard. It's really hard. It's harder than any loss that I've had. Uh, just because, again, my kids are my life. I love them with my whole heart. I never thought I was going to have kids. If you ask any of my friends, they would tell you that you were the last person who I thought was going to be the first person of the clan to get pregnant. Literally. But, um, yeah, no, I wouldn't be where I am today without them or without him. So I kind of guess this one piggybacks. How do you think your life would be different if Baby Boy was still here? I think that, obviously, 
life would be a whole lot different. I I lost my son three years ago. I lost him due to a blood clot that was in my stomach. And one of two things happen. Either your body will absorb it, like, or it feeds off of your bloodstream and it grows bigger. Unfortunately, mine grew bigger and it ended up growing bigger than CJ was. And so I went through a really rough bout. I bled for four months straight. And I mean nonstop. It wasn't like a period blood. It was I bled every single day, all day. Bathroom looked like a murder scene. And to the point where at the very end of it, I ended up passing out. And Christian took me to the hospital. And that's where I had to get five different blood transfusions. And CJ was still kicking at that point. He was still alive, still kicking, still doing good. About two hours after I was all, I was having really, really, really bad cramps. And I mean like birth cramps, but worse. And they were coming every five minutes. And at that point, I knew that either I was giving birth, which I wasn't, I was barely, I wasn't close to term. Or I was having a miscarriage. And that was my body kind of getting ready to expel him. And I was having a miscarriage. And so I went through, when you go through the whole birth experience, have the miscarriage, and then you leave the hospital without your baby. You know what's crazy too is you lost CJ the day that Josiah was born. Yeah. So November and I were in the hospital at the same time. November was in the other room. and Literally like three rooms over. She heard me screaming, giving birth to Josiah, actually. So, yeah, it was a really rough time. Um, And I think my life would be a lot different without him. But I'm a firm believer in God and that everything happens for a reason. And that God gave me Aria. And she's my rainbow baby. And I know that he is up there making my throne right now. We got bug. We do got bug and not that bug or any child that comes after a child that you lose is a replacement or is a next off to your past child. But let me tell you, I hold on to Aria really, really, really tight. She's very close to my heart and having a baby after losing a baby. We are going to have an episode that comes up and I have a very sweet girl who's going to come on and kind of talk about her experience with that and her experience with infertility and kind of what she dealt with in that aspect because, you know, that's a whole world that, you know, you and I don't really understand of being infertile, um, Mm -hmm. but it also goes into a world of miscarriage and a lot of women go through that. Though they don't talk about it, half the people you look at have gone through that. And True. you wouldn't know because they don't say anything. So it's rough, but I'm sure that a lot of people can relate because it's something that I have chosen to deal with on my own and is why I don't talk about it. And I'm sure it's a, why a lot of other women choose to deal with it the same way. My question is, it's a two-parter. What do you think uh, now that you're a parent? Because, you know, it's kind of the age-old thing of, once you become a parent, you go, oh, fuck. Now I know what he was talking about. 100%. So, so Every day. R- right? So what did I do right and what did I do wrong 
now that you're a parent in your eyes, because when you're a kid, you know, you know, everything, um, <laughs> everything revolves around you. And... I have some good famous lines of Jesse's that I use. Oh, now. I can't wait for this. <laughs> Biggest one. So my dad was a bachelor, right? So he wanted his home clean when women came over. Oh, hell yeah. And who do you think was the cleaner, right? And so, you know, anytime that my dad would have me go to clean, my famous line, which is my daughter's new famous line, that's not mine. Oh, my God. Why would I clean that up? That's not mine. I didn't dirty it. I don't give a fuck if you dirty it. What's this roof over your head that I pay for? What's those chicken nuggets that you're munching on? The motherfucking lights come on when you hit the switch. That's your shit. Right. I just hired you as one of my executive employees, Adeline. You know, the whole, you know, chores thing. Um, Not chores, but, you know, teaching you responsibility at a younger age with things like doing chores. Um, Another thing I think you did right was I never had a woman in my life who was like a mother figure, a woman figure and anything like that. But my dad, not that a man can do this or a woman can do this, but my dad did a good job at playing both roles and keeping in the first so-called woman who we were talking about. She taught me a lot and a lot of good things. You know, she was very strict and it's why I hated her. I hated her growing up. And it was because she was the very first woman in my life to ever try and give me stability. Ever. Try and give me discipline. Try and teach me actually how to do my makeup or anything like that. And I was 12 years old and had done whatever the fuck I wanted and listened to whoever the fuck I wanted at that point. And so it was just my way or the highway. And that's not the way to live. But when you're a teenager, still her way. Shh. When you're a teenager, you you have this masked perception of life. Like things are so much different when you're a teenager. Like boys, you break up with a boy, it's the end of the fucking world. You were gonna, and the fact that you guys broke up, it's like, oh my god. Now I look back on my you know seventh grade relationships, and I'm like. Well, Tommy with the fucking glasses wasn't all that bad, I guess. You know? So, what that... What did bad? I don't think my dad has this perception now because everybody grows through experience. But another famous line of my dad's and kind of something that he, in the older generation, portrays, because I know November can kind of agree with this with her mom, I know exactly what she's about to say. You are a child. You do not deserve my respect. But I am an adult and I am your parent. So you will give it to me. Bitch! No, you ain't. You ain't getting shit. We are all human. And whether or not you are a child, you are a man, you are a woman, you are 75. I don't care who or what you are. Until you disrespect me, you are going to get respect from me. I don't care the age, the race, the number, the anything. 
And that's just from my life experiences, what I've learned. And especially from my childhood, I had a lot of people who didn't respect me just because I was a child and didn't respect me in the way of my time, which is I should be treating her as a child. I shouldn't be putting her, you know, my mom per per se is what I'm mainly getting at. I shouldn't be putting her in situations that children shouldn't be in. So my experiences, as do everybody's, make you who you are. And that just, that was probably the one and only thing I could tell you other than, you know, being gone. But I know you now. And I know that, and I want you to touch on this after I'm done saying what I say, why you were gone, why you were so on the go, why you were so money hungry. That was one of my questions is why you're so money hungry. So, yeah, let's let's piggyback off of that and we can go on to that. Yeah. You know, why are you so not necessarily money hungry? Because yeah, that seems rude. Like you're not money hungry, but there's a reason why you are ambitious. Yep. Yeah, I would like to use the word amb- that my dad is just a very wise man. Like I know it, November can agree with me on that about probably anything that you could bring up to him. He could he could have a fact that he throws back. All right. So. I wouldn't say that I'm money hungry. Ambitious is a great word um, because ambitious has such a a broad definition to it. And what I mean by that is you're talking to somebody who at the age of five lived in a Volkswagen. Okay. God bless my mother. But until I was about 12 years old. Rest in peace, grandma. Right. Love you, ma. (laughs) But you wasn't fucking getting it done. (laughs) Right. So. I can remember a time where she would drive us to the local AMPM in Rancho Cordova. Stop. And I, at eight years old, would have to go in and ask them if they were throwing the burgers and hot dogs and the, the stuff of the day that would be outdated. Well, they would just throw it all away. So we would go in there and take it from them. And that's what we would eat. We would eat the throwaways that they weren't going to be able to use in the morning. That basically woke me up to be what I would like to call a hustler. I mean, by 10 to 12 years old, I was rolling around the city with a bus pass and a backpack full of clippers doing haircuts at the park, at the basketball courts. Right. You know, before high school dances, that was a huge market for me. So my ambition has always been, A, the want to not be in those situations ever again. Right. So you could call it trauma. You could call it PTSD or whatever you want. Um, Motherfucker just don't like being broke (laughs) straight up. So if that's money hungry, riddle me this, like label me that. Right. So, you know, though my dad was gone, you know, the first 12 ish years of my life, I, I was never I was never broke. He made sure that. Though he was gone, I I was taken care of. So, I mean, that's that's kind of to further my point. Like, uh, I guess since you were born, uh, I've never, ever once, not one day from that day to right now, been in a situation where I have to win. If I lose, a whole lot of people lose. There's so many people that depend on me. And when you carry that in your everyday walk of life, um, it just makes you a whole other animal, right? Couple that with the fact that I'm like a shark, man. I could have waters through these gills. If I'm not moving at all times, you, My dad is I am a very not the motherfucker you want to be around. You do not want to be around me if I have to sit still because it's just not my gig, right? You so, and your metaphors. You know, he told me one metaphor 
And maybe a lot of people could take off of this one about a mountain. I tell yeah. you this all the time. This well, yeah. is, this, yeah. this is my favorite to me, metaphor. It's the, one of the more important ones Which in life. Which is crazy so, because she gave me this metaphor and it made so much sense. So when you go through life, you could look at life as this big old, your Mount Everest, right? This biggest mountain in the world. And, you know. She didn't know where Mount Everest was. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was in China. <laughs> Or no, no it is in China. I thought it was in fucking Nebraska or some shit like that. I thought it was in Colorado. Anyways, <laughs> you have this mountain, right? And this mountain is your so-called metaphoric life. Well, I mean, the, the basis behind that theory is this. Is if you look at the mountain as a whole to be climbed, it could be very overwhelming. It right. could be debilitatingly. It seems insurmountable. But if you just grab a one rock at a time, next thing you know. You're halfway up the fucking mountain. You don't even realize it. Right. Right. So when you come, when you compartmentalize how you approach tasks in your life, goals that you put out in front of you, if you're the type of person that gets overwhelmed with huge goals, then it would behoove you honestly to set micro goals. And those micro goals will add up to your bigger goal. Right. right? So you just have to decide the, the kind of person you are. If you're the type that can look at the entire mountain and go, yep, I got this. And you charge up the mountain, great, wonderful. The rest of the 90% of us humans on the planet don't work like that. Right. Right? So we need to look. <laughs> to the rest of the normal people around here. Right. Well, I mean, it just, if you know out front what is going to hinder your efforts towards creating and achieving a goal versus what's going to be successful for you, you should probably latch on to and create processes that go with success. Absolutely. So I mean, that's to me. That's that theorem is so. Just take it. I mean, I'm the type it. of motherfucker to just charge up the mountain, but hey, it's all good. You know what I mean? Some people just gotta grab it one rock at a time and, and just get there. Well, when you, I'll go with my pebbles. Right. Well, because <laughs> listen. So one of my, oh. other, well, one of my. She was like, I'm gonna throw like pebbles from the bottom of the mountain to the top and just see how far they make it before I even step on a stone. Well, one of my other favorite sayings is, "There's plenty of geniuses working at Walmart, right? Just because you got skills, talent, genius, if you can't execute on a plan, I don't give a fuck how smart you are. I don't care how intelligent you are. I don't care." Who, what you did in high school, this, What you look like, anything. Yeah, if you well, can't execute a game plan, because coming up with a game plan is only half the battle. Right. And so many people come up with their next, oh my God, we're going to change the world with this. Then they do jack shit with it. So that is implementing that game plan and just marking and, and hitting your goals daily, right? My grandpa Bruce used to work at Redwood Financial is what it was called. And he was a... Correct me if I'm wrong. He was a financial advisor. advisor. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I didn't see none of that money. <laughs> Shut up. Anyways, so he told me a story one time. And it was, you know, more of a never judge a book by its cover type of thing. But, you know, he said, I had a man walk in here one time and you would have thought he was a hobo. And he walked into my office and I said, you know, I, I'm sorry, we don't. We don't hand we don't give handouts here, basically. No public bathrooms. No, for sure, is what he was getting at. And this dude slapped a million dollar check on his desk, said, I want to open an account and I want you to be my accountant. Which just tells me that it don't matter where you where you work, what you drive, what you look like, what 
anything. Look at Adam Sandler. Shit. I mean, Look all of Mark us. Mark Zuckerberg, the dude's worth half a billion dollars, and he drives a fucking 96 Acura. Period. That's going to be me. Well, and that's my dad. You know, my dad, you spend your money, how are you going to stay rich? Well, it's not even about being rich. It's about, like, practicality. Work smarter, not harder. What's my time worth? Do I want to stress on having car payments and, and van payments and motorhome payments, and or do I just want to enjoy the fruits of my labor? So right. I would rather just enjoy what the fuck I got going on rather than spread myself out and be like, bro, look at my whip. That Like, that's just not me. That's Jordan, though. Um, Jordan's like, hey, no, I let me go get my lips done and I'm going to get a new car. And... No, that is me, 100%. No, 100%. But she didn't get that part from her dad, clearly. No. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm, well, don't, I'm well, steady. I mean, it took me I'm a while. I'm steady. To hey, don't worry about it. My, I'm good. Like, I'm well, not, it, it took my me a back while to is get not there. worried about spending no money on lips and cars and nothing. It took me a while to get there, right? Because you know, I, you, Motherfucker, I had caddies and BMWs right. and big ass houses, and then it just I started. To He's realize, the reason I have my Chrysler 300. Yeah, I started to realize that it's a, this stuff is just not what brings me enjoyment in life anymore. Yeah. See when you rolling. have a hundred grand in the bank, but you drive a lunchbox. I love my lunchbox. Uh, fuck. All right, guys. So, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? For me. Wow, that is a loaded question. Any superpower? I... That's the loaded question out of all the ones I've asked. <laughs> what the f- yeah, no, weird. for me too. Honestly, that's a hard one. Oh, uh, fuck. I feel like that's going to be like the easiest question I ask. I think if I had any superpower, it would be that people see me for who I am. Aw, stop. What are you going to sentimental? Deep and shit. Okay, Jesse. Well, I mean, it, like in my business. People don't always get to see you for who you are because you're constantly having to, you know, I mean, I deal with some pretty big clients. I deal with some pretty big accounts. Um, And so you constantly have to have a business face on. And the the people that you work with have to have the confidence in you that when you take over an account or when you create their content or when you create their film, that you're that guy. And it's like, I mean, can I have a bad day? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, can, can can I take a mulligan here? So... Well, even some of the people in his life, you know, even me, sometimes I could say, like, when he has a bad day, we're like, what's wrong with you? Well, yeah, because I'm normally a pretty happy-go-lucky guy, right? So when I'm having a bad day, it's like, I don't know if it's a superpower, but that I this wish guy. a lot. Well, I mean, let's call it what it is. Like He said he, Clark Kent during the daytime. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's a difference. <laughs> because Clark Kent acts like a pussy, and he's really a superhero where most superheroes are a pussy, and then they turn in. To the I'm superhero. Dead. So that's the flip dynamic. I am the latter. I'm, I'm fucking dead. <laughs> right. Um, the reality is, is if you have problems in life, the worst thing you can do is fall apart emotionally or get depressed. And I know that's hard for a lot of people. Self-destruct. Yeah, because you're just, you're exacerbating the problem and making it worse on yourself. November so, and I both have a problem with that. Well, you have to look at it from, like, say, a Navy SEAL. How do Navy SEALs handle when they encounter a problem? Do they fall apart at the seams? Do they, like, tear each other down? No. They breathe. They calmly and emotionally, soundly figure out how to work the problem. Because they know that the worst thing they can do in a given situation when things go wrong is then become part of the problem. Right. right? So Panic. Uh, something that I've always tried to instill in you, and I know that 
So, again, um, I would just encourage people who, you know, um, have stress and struggle in their life to try and remain as positive as you can. And here's the scientific breakdown of that. Energy is kinetic. It's neither created nor destroyed, which means that you could either positively charge yourself because we are made up of 70% energy, or you can negatively charge yourself. If you choose to charge yourself negatively, you are going to put off negative energy. You're going to stay in negative energy. All the people around you are going to be in negative energy and it, of just bad, all bad. So moral of the story, try and remain positive. Good things will happen, and the power of manifestation through positive energy is a real fucking thing. And if you don't think so, then you should probably rethink your life. Think positive. Yeah. Pretty much what he's saying is that we, me and Jordan can never be part of the Navy SEAL or any military aspects in life. Right. Is really what he was trying to do say. Do not call us into the draft, because we ain't going. I can't do it. I'm breaking first. First step, I'm breaking. No, <laughs> Sergeant fucking what's-his-name is going to look at me and be like, Hey, you can have that lipstick on. And be like, you know what? <laughs> I want to go back to my own life. Well, it also falls into who you surround yourself with. Who you, know? who you, you surround me, yourself with is who you become. You show me your you five are. best friends, and I'll tell you who the fuck you are. And Period. If you choose to surround yourself with DMBs, that's a do-nothing bitch. Then that's what you're gonna be. Right. Good thing I don't have five friends. Or are a DMB. I mean, you both got so quiet. All right. The last question is gonna be for Jesse. How was Jordan as a teenager? Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot to unpack. Which part? So, Jordan overall was a good kid. Um. <laughs> Primarily because I kept her busy. Um, when I stopped keeping her busy and she started with the whole, you know, I know. <laughs> the prototypical teenage thing where she thought she knew everything and that, you what know. What was my famous line? I know which one you're going to say. Oh, everything. <laughs> when Jordan was a young teenager, everything was, that's your opinion. Shut I don't care if it was in a dictionary. Would, I don't care if you could look it up on Google and it would tell you it was a fact. That is your fucking opinion. Shut up. Everything, November. They would come up to me and be like, Jordan, honestly, those shorts are too short. That's your opinion. Jordan, um, the sky is blue. That's your opinion. Two plus two is four. That's your opinion. I mean, we started. it started becoming a game where we would just hit her with factual, actual, verifiable <laughs> shit just to see if she'd say it, and she would. But... <laughs> That was just me having fun, right? Right, straight up. Um, I would say that Jordan, for the most part, was a pretty good kid. You did have your patch where you kind of went off the rails a little bit. But let's call it what it is. I was kind of a gangster myself at that age, so you weren't doing anything that really shocked me. <laughs> I got kicked out when I was 15. Yeah, and a lot of people ridicule me for that, but. The reality is, is I threw a party at my dad's house while my dad was out of town. If you've ever seen the movie, while my dad Generation X, it was Wait, ten for, times worse than that. Like the movie? Yeah. Shut up. There were motherfuckers jumping out of my second story window onto my lawn, backflipping, and I will forever be proud of that party. <laughs> Where was it? You know the picture that Kate just sent you, uh, just sent us. Yeah. That house, that party, <laughs> that exact party. Uh, not that exact party. 
the party the night before that, and then I had I'll another party this. the second. My night. wife at the time was so unbelievably pissed, but we behind closed doors, I was like, "That was a good one, Dad. Yeah, no, <laughs> that was a good one. I mean, I gotta give it up. That was a good fucking party. Um, it was bad. Yeah, no, I got kicked out when I was fifteen, and I actually didn't move back in until I was twenty years old. I started my life at fifteen. I got a job. Well, I... because let's face it, you were acting or trying to act like an adult, and so well, that's where I put you. Period. My mom did the same thing, the same thing to me at fifteen. So plus, yeah. I didn't want to go to jail. I was gonna fuck you up if you kept. <laughs> well, my dad at so the time. So I felt it better for us to just. My not dad's be job each other. at the time, he wasn't a videographer yet, and he had a deal. Filmmaker. He, filmmaker, and he had a deal and had worked with the sheriff's office, and so it was. <laughs> my dad's done pigs. a lot. My dad's been very diverse. He's been. He went to barber school. He has been a trucking broker. He has been race a, car mechanic. I did that race for car mechanic part of ten years, which is why he films racing now, and because as Jordan both, says, of why he videos, yeah, them now, why he videographies, <laughs> huh? Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, she I wasn't guess. a bad kid. She wasn't a bad kid. She was just misguided. But honestly, it didn't last very long. The one thing I did tell Jordan when she turned 20. I went through a lot of shit she, through my teenagehood. Yeah. And and when she turned 20, I basically sat her down and said, look, you're not in jail. You don't have bad credit. You haven't fucked your life off so much that it's going to take you a decade to get it back. You could literally just stop being an asshole, get your shit together, and tomorrow start with a fresh slate. And have your whole life ahead of you like anybody else who got straight A's, never partied. So she didn't do things that irreversibly or debilitated her life going forward. So the way I looked at it is, hey, we all have fun. We all do our thing. But you didn't fuck up so bad when you were doing that that you caused yourself long-term detriment. Right. And so that being said, it's kind of like getting away with something and you don't get caught, right? Um, but you, you know just that don't you ever did. fucking do it again. Thank your lucky stars. Well, not only that, I, it, you know, piggybacking off of that is I, there were a lot of things that like you do in life, right? And you don't really get caught for it, but you know, in your soul, you're even doing yourself a, a dis, dishonor because, you know, I've learned, <laughs> not only have I been through a lot of shitty things, I've been a shitty ass person a lot. Of times in my life. I think you guys can both agree with that. I, I think mean, we all you have. said it. I think so. we all have. I mean. Well, yeah. And, you Jesse's know. Just so positive. I'm over here like, bitch, you said it. I'm glad one of us did. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love the, who I am now. So yeah, you I, can fucking fuck off, November. Well, I think the person who can sit here and say, yeah, I was a fucking piece of shit, mook motherfucker. But now I just don't live like that. Right. Like that's somebody who took what happened to them and they learned from it and they became a better person for it. Like after my car accident, my life like changed. Like I, I legit saw my life flash before my eyes. And I, right after that is when I moved back to Oregon. And I was like, I just, I don't want to be alone. I want to be around the people I care about, the people I love. I want to rebuild those relationships that I've completely destroyed. I, you know, I came back and I was sexually assaulted by somebody in my family when I was very, very young for a very long time. And I actually ended up coming back 
from Arizona. And the, one of the very first things that I did was opened up about that to my family. Uh, my family didn't take it very well. They completely disowned me. They don't really talk to me. Maybe a few of them do. Um, my brother Dylan kind of still talks to me, but the rest of them are very, that would have never happened. Why, you know, I had nothing to gain or lose from saying that. So I just want to put that out there because I know that my family probably listens to this. I had nothing to gain or lose from what I told my family, but I lost a lot. And Yeah, but you did it on your terms. You right. So honestly. after my car accident, I could say that my car accident, when you almost die, when your life flashes before your eyes, sometimes you come back and it wakes you up and you're like, I don't want to be this person. I want to be a different person. My main goal, my main factor to navigate through life was to be a good person to people because that is something that was never on my mind. I didn't give a fuck about who I was treating, how I was treating them, the way I was treating them, and how it made them feel. But now, I mean, maybe November can even attest to this. I'm huge on accountability now. Huge. Like, I... I probably apologize sometimes more than I should, but it's nice because she's about the only friend that I have that genuinely like apologizes when she does wrong. I am a type. I don't apologize ever. Um, I don't. I don't don't apologize. I don't know. And so Jordan, I that's one thing that I can say that I appreciate and I'm very grateful for is that when Jordan is in the wrong or she is a fucking brat. Um. (laughs) She can 100% say sorry, and she knows where she was wrong in the situation. Um, and I think that's kind of why we became such close friends and why we're best friends to this day. Well, um, don't get November wrong. I mean, she says she doesn't say sorry, but, like, I don't – the type of friend she is to me, like, I don't want to have any type of tension there. And, like, that's not the only reason I say sorry because, like, I am in the wrong a lot of the time. I'm a fucking brat. But she's the type of friend that, like – she she makes it easy for me to like take accountability with her because I know like at the end of the day, once I'm done being a brat, once I take accountability, she's like, dog, I know like we're rocking. Yeah. Like, and, and that's one thing that me and Jordan have talked a lot about, too, though, is that like when Jordan is the way that she is, nothing can really. F- <laughs> they do. If you know Jordan, you 100 percent know what the fuck I'm talking about. So um, when Jordan is the way that she is, um, she's not afraid to take accountability um, and. She knows Appreciate when she's that. in the wrong. Um, and I think that's what will forever make us be really good friends. Um, because I'm not one. I won't hold grudges on you. I don't. No, ever will I, not. Like, I don't. I don't know. You can really fuck me over in the most wild ways. And I, I don't care what you do to November. Like, she. This girl ain't a grudge holder. Why you, do you think that is? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why don't you hold grudges? Um, I really think it's from like my childhood um and my family lost a lot a lot a lot of people in my life whether it's from death or from things that people have done to me but I'll never hold you for what you've done everybody changes and everybody grows so I, I think don't we change every day yeah I don't really I don't know why I am the way that I am my sister uh she holds grudges which sister of yours Michaela okay Michaela holds grudges to the death of her and she'll tell you that too i mean you fuck over michaela it's like done done did you like this up. girl like i'm i'm nervous sometimes to even like 
go against something that Michaela says because I know that she's like she'll write you off. She don't yeah, give a fuck. She will. Um, she, me, and Michaela are super, super close, and she wrote me off legitimately for seven years over twelve fucking dollars. Um, so I never knew that. Yeah, me. We'll talk about it. Um, yeah, for sure. But I'll put that on my question. <laughs> um, my mom wasn't that way. Uh, my mom grew up very, very fucking hard. Um, and she never held grudgment um growing up she always taught us to forgive and forget and that's one thing that I won't do I will never forgive and forget I will always remember what you did and yes I won't hold a grudge over you 100% but I will always remember what you did um and if you're going to continuously be a shitty person does that like does that change do you change your relationship with that person 100% um I Jordan's talked about it before too um I ride hard for the ones that I love um if you are in my circle you're in my fucking circle and I will literally give you the shirt off my back the last dime in my pocket um and so when people fuck me over it it fucks with me just because it's like I would never do what you've done to me to you or anything like but it will never make me just hate I mean you have to really fuck me over and really not even that because my baby daddy cheated on me and I don't hate him so um, We're definitely going to get into that. I don't really know episode. why I don't hold grudges. I think just kind of my childhood and what I've been through and the way my mother raised me. Right. I feel like I feel that. Like, I'm not a huge grudge holder. Eh. Yes, I am. Yeah, you are. I'm probably one of the biggest grudge holders. Yeah, but I when I finally sure. do forgive you, you know, if I do forgive you, it's... But my dad has always explained to me that people have a line. In their life, okay? And some people's lines are really close to their chest. Some people's lines are a mile away from their chest. And you have to learn what people's boundary line is before you start to even test the waters to cross it. Because you could be dealing with somebody whose line is not like your and I's where like, you know, yours is the mile long one where you you forget. It's too fucking far. Honestly. Right. And you you take a lot before you're knocked down from somebody. A lot. I'm probably a little bit back closer to my chest, but not fully, you know, glued to me. My husband, Christian, my husband is the type of person to where his line is so close to his chest. You you could put a piece of gum under his shoe and He's looking at you a different way because, and not to say it's like over small stuff, but it is, I mean, he just, he's been through a lot, which we all have, but his experiences has made him and his, what he takes from people a lot shorter. His stick is a lot shorter than mine, yours, probably the next person. And some people are just like that. You know, my line is not right here and i i also can take quite a bit but you i've seen you take a lot before you you know and we'll get into this again tomorrow but like i always ask her you know her baby daddy situation i mean i don't know how i am the way that i am and i think about it all the time like truly i think i tell her i'm like bitch if i were in your situation like i would i would be going insane due to the fact that her baby daddy is dating the girl who he cheated on her with in her house. But we'll get into that tomorrow. So to end this podcast, what was not on your itinerary this week, November? 
I didn't really have any big ones. Probably, if you know me, I'm not a fucking morning person. I hate the mornings more than anything in the world. And this whole fucking week, I've had to get up at 4.30 in the damn morning. So that was not on my itinerary. Luckily, I'm on evening shifts as of next week. So that wasn't on my fucking itinerary at all. Getting yelled at by old people is not fun in the morning. Uh, Yeah. What was yours? Well, and she works where she works. She works at the nicest old folks home in our valley. And so these people, these are old bougie people okay they're so, so they're mean, mean to her bro, they're so like mean. they're mean they're, so <laughs> they're like mean. Do you, she tells me this all the time she's like their famous line is do you know how much i pay to live here i Girl. tell them every time i'm like yes i do and i didn't i didn't ask you to pay this so why are you yelling at <laughs> For me sure like go take your 25 grand a month somewhere else yeah, so but um i'm gonna flip-flop the not on the itinerary this week and throw you guys something that you know i'm appreciative for okay um, I hit 5,000 followers on my TikTok. Hey. And makes one of us. I just want to say how appreciative I am for every single follower, like, share, all the support. Um, and yeah, baby, this is just a start. What's so. not on your itinerary, Jesse? I don't know. That's hard for me because I'm so like everything you know. I, I plan He's shit a- out to a motherfucking team. Huh. Man. His week obviously was great, and he lives fucking rainbows and butterflies, so... <laughs> I won't say rainbows and butterflies, <laughs> but... Uh... I could think of a couple things, but I don't know if they're podcast-worthy, so... Yeah, bitch got beat up. <laughs> <laughs> a bitch did get beat up, but... We don't need to say who. We don't need to talk about who the bitch <laughs> got beat up. We just say this. But it wasn't... Not, that's again. It's like a plus side. It was... Right. It was a good thing that was... Uh, right. Not that I condone it, but if there were ever a saying, fuck around and find out, this person found the fuck out. Right. And that's all I'll say. I'll, I'll end my part of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to add at the end of this podcast, um, not on the itinerary this week, was hearing that one of my best friends from back in the day decided... Oh, my She's God. in her 20s, mind you. Like 26. She's like 26. Decided to fuck her little sister's boyfriend. Mind you, her little sister is 17 years old. So I already fucking hate you and I wanted to whoop your ass. It's game over now, bitch. There's your tea for the week. We love you guys and we will see you. I just want to say thank you so much for coming, Jesse. Yes, thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me. It was uh, was a blast. Plus, I kind of got drunk as shit. So we're good. Woohoo! We did too. Cheers to that. We'll bring him again. Yeah, we will bring him on again sometime. Good right. to have you. We appreciate I want to do one you. Questions for him. We'll ask you the questions. Yeah, All we'll right. get in a little bit more, just kind of on your career, on your childhood. So, so be prepared to come back. Here I'm you, prepared. bitch. <laughs> Love right. you guys. Oh. That's it. Episode five. I hope you guys all have a fantastic week, and we will see you next week. Adios. Love Bye. you. Bye.